So you've got a podcast or an idea for a podcast or no ideas yet, but you want to start a podcast. Whatever stage you're at, G Media Solutions is here to help you take your podcast to the next level. We are a podcast production company based in Atlanta that specializes in audio recording, video live streaming, and all the elements you need to make your podcast thrive. To fulfill your podcast needs, contact us on Facebook and or Instagram at G Media ATL. Before the start of this episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I am producing for my friend Aisha. It's called the Botanica Podcast. I wonder what she thinks of that pronunciation. But anyway, (laughs) uh, here's a trailer for the podcast. You can subscribe to it uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just like ours. Here it is. Welcome to the Botanica Podcast. This is your host, Aisha. Listen in as we discuss topics like love, health, sex, relationships, and even alternative medicine. Listen to the Botanica Podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are also on Instagram. Our handle is the underscore Botanica Podcast. Don't forget to stop by our Botanica. We have a lot to share. There's another podcast I want to tell you guys about. It's called The Barber and the Bartender. There's a barber, there's a bartender, and they talk about pop culture, sports, music. And of course, because one of them's a bartender, there's going to be a drink of the day and he'll give you a little history on different libations. So uh, tune into The Barber and the Bartender on Spotify, Apple Podcast. They're on Facebook. Here's the trailer for their podcast. Come to my chair, you catch a bait or get a taste. This shit gonna hurt tomorrow. Mm-mm. But it tastes good today. It's gonna hurt right now. I'm at the bar mixing up drinks and conversation. Yeah, no, I'm just a part-time dirtbag. Don't do that. You're a superstar. Yeah, we the ones you talk to and we your favorite. I'm a barber. You know what I'm saying? Niggas, got their, niggas put a goddamn permanent hair, I know. You know what I'm saying? Just said I, that's I, my I, hero. You gonna hurt the First of all, niggas that have nappy hair, put permanent <laughs> hair, have baby hair. It's the barber and the bartender, the best podcast in the nation. By the time you hear this podcast, you gotta blame it on somebody.
Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we are back with episode, uh, it's been so long I forgot what number we are on. Uh, 207, 208. Episode 208. That's an area code for something, isn't it? You said, what, 208? 208. I think that is the area code for, I think, somewhere in southeast Georgia. No, never mind. Um, holy crap. I don't know if this is good or bad. It is the entire state of Idaho. <laughs> Shout out, Idaho. Like it says, 2-8 covers the entire state. Boise, Napa, Pocatello, Idaho Falls, Coeur d'Alene. Wow. I feel like this got to be a record. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, everyone, thank you for um, for sticking with us. If you're still subscribed, (laughs) Um, we took a couple of months off. Um, Some things happened. Ben, I'll leave that up to you if you want to explain anything or not. Um, I'll just say it's, you know, for those who know me personally, they know what happened. Um, and yeah, we'll just, we'll just kind of put it at that, you know, some stuff happened with the family. Um, everyone's doing as good as they can, you know, for now. So we'll just say that. And, and, and for those who, you know, reached out and offered support and well wishes and prayers and all that stuff, you know, definitely, definitely appreciate it, but I'm glad to be back. Wanted to get some things back to normal. And, um, this is definitely one of the things I miss doing. I, love coming on here and just talking about music with Greg. So I'm, I'm really happy to be back on here, man. All right. Well, good to, good to have you back. Good to get back into podcasting and sure. um, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and jump right in. Uh, I know we've been off for a while, but a um, couple of things, I guess there were, there were, I would say posts from Instagram if there was something like, Oh, we can talk about that on the pod. But then like, it didn't seem to be a whole lot. <laughs> or it became less interesting after a yeah. few days, you know? So, yeah. um, uh, I get, let's, let's jump right into this. So, um, a lot of people were very interested in this Andre 3000 project. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And then a lot of the thing, the reaction was just what was crazy to me. Um, I saw Bomani Jones posted a tweet. I think I saw it after the album came out, but um, I think someone asked him, are like, are you excited about the Andre 3000 album? And he just said, if you're anything beyond just curious, you're doing it to yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, the most that I hope for with the this album where he's playing many different flute instruments or woodwinds is that it was some very interesting looking ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look that they were hand carved. Did he make them make them himself or something? But yeah. I thought that it would be oh maybe it's him playing over some beats or or but no not not exactly well it was beats but not like the beats that maybe we had hoped um no 
Not not even close. It's <laughs> it's something that you would listen to when when you're at the spa getting a massage or you're meditating or it's yoga for for a yoga class or yoga session. Um, I saw it classified as yeah. neoclassical at one point. I mean, it's it's out there and it's got what I guess we would have referred to as like emo titles. Yeah. Where it's it like, has the emo I think titles. the first one. Yeah, like I wanted to make, I swear I wanted to make a rap album, but like it's like, okay, this is, this is what you're doing. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, um, so that's what it's, it's him playing the flute over different soundscapes, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I listened to, to a couple of tracks and I was able to take it for what it is. Um, I think a lot of people were disappointed, uh, even yeah. though he told you, he warned you, he said, warning, no bars. <laughs> okay. So I didn't know that. So yeah. Okay. Y'all wanted yeah, bars. He's no like, there, there are no bars, but, but it's like, and then you're mad that there are no bars. Like he already told you. Hmm. I don't understand what the problem is. <laughs> Maybe they thought he was like, oh, good one, Andre. They thought he was kidding. Um, like, I, and maybe it's like people yeah. having trust issues, not able to take anybody at their word anymore. Yeah. I <laughs> so you didn't believe him. Um, but look, it's been um, a long time. The Love Below was 20 years ago. Idlewild was, I think, 2005. Yeah. And he's been doing it's, it's one been verse a year. Time. He's been doing his one yeah, verse a year. He wasn't gonna. I mean, he came out and said it. Ah, oh, God, maybe it was two or three years ago. He kind of admitted that, like, the anticipation for something from him is what's keeping him from doing it because <laughs> he doesn't want to disappoint. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's... the hype is so high, the anticipation. Is, there's no way he could live up to what people are expecting of him. Right. I mean, it's... if we're being real. It's almost kind of like the Compton the album conundrum. Like we've been hearing about this Dr. Dre album for oh, so detox. long. Detox. Detox. And then it comes out yeah. with Compton, which was not what it had nothing to do with yeah. detox. <laughs> like that album had been floating around for so long. Nothing he would have been able to do would have would have like met our expectations. We would have been disappointed. And then the Same anticipation keeps growing. <laughs> Because he'll do a yeah. verse on somebody's song, and it's his one verse for the year. And it's the hottest thing. And, and it was like, oh, and everyone goes crazy over it. Yeah. Like, he did, um, didn't he do a verse on Killer Mike's uh, newest album, did he? I think? Sure. I think he I did. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but yeah, like, that's his one just... verse for the year, man. <laughs> We're not going to hear from him. Um, I, I, as far as him doing his own project... Um, I, I'm not looking for it anymore. I'm not hoping for it. Kind of like with detox. I'm not. Yeah, no, I'm totally. We're kind of able to move on. And I think that's kind of what they want. (laughs) You just got to move on from it. If you come back with something great. Outcast album. If we're being real, like. You want one or you don't want one? I would. I, I prefer that versus like just because I, I think they could still do something. 
Big Boy continues to put out great music. So like, yeah, I honestly, I think just like give Big Boy the lead on it, and he'd probably get like some good classic Outcast stuff if you let him choose the the producers and the beats and stuff. I mean, um, if they just went back, you know, with organized noise, um, yeah, it would be Do great like to have know? something like Rico. that. I don't know Is if they're cool pretty, anymore. Uh, I have no idea. I know. Yeah, I well, Big Big Boy and Sleepy Brown <laughs> did did an album together, so yeah, they're they're, they cool, will but... still have him at least. Rico. <laughs> I remember that episode, bro. Rico was <laughs> thank God and Rico, Rico Wade. Very salty, man. <laughs> what was the name of that episode again? Thank God and Rico Wade. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So yeah, uh, if it happens, it happens. But you know, yeah. for us to, you know, for anyone to hold their breath is just completely unrealistic. Yeah, yeah I agree. Or maybe he needs to come out like, you know, like what Lauren Hill said, you know, that y'all should be thankful that I even show up for these shows at <laughs> oh my all. God. You know, maybe Andre should make a statement like that. Y'all should be grateful that I even do a verse for anybody. God, that's like the that's like the line from um, Stronger. Like y'all are honored by my lateness that I would show up for this patient. <laughs> Straight out the page of Kanye. Um, yeah, that's at this point, it's just kind of like, you know, be grateful for the music. Like they say, like, don't be sad it's over. Be happy that it happened yeah. or whatever. So it's like, yeah, just be happy that, you know, we 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 have some good memories. We got, you know, Aquimina or Aquamini for the uninitiated. <laughs> um, Stankonia, AT Aliens, you know. We um, speaker box level like we got some great albums out of it, guys. So let's like you know, we might never get another one. Let's just be grateful for what we got, you know. Yeah. Um. Because I think Big Boy's albums are the closest we're gonna get. <laughs> Honestly, if if we're looking for like new outcasts, that's the closest we're gonna get. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's all. It's kind of like coming off as disrespectful to big boy like uh he's good too y'all but because you know andre kind of sticks out more visually that you know you forget about big boy i think yeah he's very good yeah mm-hmm. um so another um story i pointed out was that uh youtube is teaming up with some artists oh sorry uh youtube is teaming up with some artists uh, for their voices to be cloned, essentially. Uh, I know John Legend and T.I. I'm um, not T.I., T-Pain. Oh. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to pull up the story. Okay, so... Um, is this the same one? That is not the same story. Hold on just a second. Okay. <clears throat> so uh this like I said, this is YouTube. Um there they have unveiled a new music generation model capable of mimicking various celebrity voices and creating new music based on text prompts. Hmm. Artists include 
Charlie XCX, Demi Lovato, John Legend, and Sia. Okay. Have signed up to the limited trial, meaning they have given their permission for their vocal likeness to be used in the creation of short, unique music tracks in their style. And as I said, T-Pain is also a part of this. Um, Troy Savan, or is it Steven? Y'all know who I'm talking about. I, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I didn't even realize he was still in the game, but good for him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is. I think um, with the advent of AI, may, these artists are trying to lean into it. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. This uh, the headline for this article says even the artists sound nervous about it. <laughs> well, I don't blame them, but at this point, I think we've seen that it's going to happen with or without them. Yeah. So you can get on board and like maybe you know get out there or something, or you know, or you can just you know get behind. But like this is happening whether they like it or not. So. Yeah. Um, this YouTube intends for the generated 30 second dream tracks to be used in shorts, uh, which is their version of TikToks or reels by simply typing an idea into the creation prompt and selecting a participating artist that appears in the carousel an original short soundtrack featuring the AI generated voice of that artist will be produced for the creator to use in their short. But even if the artists, this is the article, but even if the artists themselves have given permission, this does feel like a step in an ever more dystopian direction. (laughs) Um, A one YouTube commenter put it, my biggest fear with things like this is AI content oversaturating original content. It's already noticeable in the swaths of shorts with AI generated voices that just narrate over an already existing video and often completely make up things for views. That is true. <laughs> um, if you there in some takes as I've seen where there's, it's not like the person who made the video during the narration, it's someone like a voice, some AI voice. Generic sounding voice. Yeah. Yeah. And this has been going on for a while. Like I call it the TikTok effect. Yeah. I mean, it's it. I think they the the test run, or maybe there they may have been other test runs, but I remember like, I think if you use Waze or Google Voice, you can mm-hmm. um, uh, you have the voice of certain celebrities. Like, I think like Charles mm-hmm. Barkley or Snoop Dogg uh, will oh, <laughs> will say the directions. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kevin Hart one was pretty funny. So. That's where we are now, man. Um, yeah, whether they whether they get on board or not, it is happening. So this is, I think, one of those which side of history do you want to be on type deals? Yeah, because it's going to happen like and it's and and it will work. I think Ghostwriter proved it will work because I know I've played that song for two groups of people and they were feeling the song. Hmm. <laughs> And like, and I never told them like, oh yeah, this isn't Drake. They just were like, yeah, this is a dope song. Drake has a lot of material out there. It's totally possible that you there's a Drake song you haven't heard. <laughs> so it's like, you know, 
you know, these aren't diehard Drake fans, so they're just dancing like, oh yeah, this is a dope song. So yeah, it's totally possible, especially for someone like Drake who puts out a ton of material. So yeah, it's get with it or get lost. Well, um, so uh, I guess th- this was uh, last week that the uh, Grammy nominations came out. I believe Taylor Swift and SZA have nine nominations each, something like that. Um, and some interesting names for some of the awards. Uh, we can look at record of the year. Um, so we have a, what was I made for from the Barbie soundtrack by Billy, Billy Eilish kill bill by SZA anti-hero by Taylor Swift vampire by Olivia Rodrigo on my mama by Victoria Monet. Um, Flowers by Miley Cyrus, Not Strong Enough by Boy Genius, and Worship by John Batiste. Uh, John Batiste is the only male in the category. Hmm. Impressive. Uh, Album of the Year, uh, SOS by SZA, Midnights by Taylor Swift, Guts by Olivia Rodrigo, The Age of Pleasure by Janelle Monet. Did You Know There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard by Lana Del Rey? Endless Summer Vacation by Miley Cyrus, The Record by Boy Genius, and World Music Radio by John Batiste. Once again, the only male in the category. <laughs> <laughs> How many? I, I did. I do have to ask that. Like of these two categories, and I guess once we get to Song of the Year too. Well, I'll wait till Song of the Year ask this question. Let's. Uh, yeah. All right, for Song of the Year, uh, what was I made for by Billie Eilish? Vampire, Olivia Rodrigo, Kill Bill by SZA, Flowers by Billie Eilish. I'm sorry, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Dance the Night by Dua Lipa from the Barbie soundtrack. Uh, Butterfly by uh, John Batiste. Anti-Hero by Taylor Swift. And A&W by Lana Del Rey. Again, John Batiste, the only male in the category. (laughs) I guess, well, his song. um, Yeah. His song that is. Um, there's some male writers. There's some there's some male writers, but yeah, as far as the lead is, artist, only John Batiste yeah. is the only male. And uh, best so, new artist, just real quick, just get the best new artist for your question. Uh, okay, yeah, good, good. The War and Treaty, Victoria Monet, Noah Kahan, Coco Jones, Jelly Roll, Ice Spice, Fred again, and Gracie Abrams. Fred again. Fred again. <laughs> and there's a new category songwriter of the year, non classical. Oh, I didn't know that. That isn't that's a new one. Oh man, that's that's so sad because like this would have been dominated by Max Martin if this was made 20 years ago. <laughs> like every year he'd just be sweeping it. Like, Yeah. Um, so what was your question? They get fatigued. But no, that's cool. <laughs> of those songs, how many have you heard? Because <laughs> I, I just feel like it's the numbers, for me at least, is dwindling every year. The number of albums, artists, and songs I've heard of are heard. Uh, for record of the year... year. See, there are how many? There are eight songs. I've heard four of them. What? what flowers. Flowers. Hero. On Kill my Bill. mama. Kill Bill. Oh, okay. 
Antihero. Yeah, that's yeah. And the first song of the year, <laughs> I've heard Kill Bill, Flowers, Dance the Night, Antihero. I you know what I probably have heard Dance the Night. I haven't heard what was I made for. I haven't seen the Barbie movie either. I don't want to. Um, I really need to check out the new Lana Del Rey. But yeah, I just I gotta I should go and listen. I might make that my goal over Thanksgiving. It's to listen to some of these songs. I probably have heard them and just don't even know it. I am on TikTok quite a bit. So So yeah, the um uh I'm sure some people have some opinions about, you know, the rap category being underrepresented <laughs> again. Um the R&B category getting a little more love, especially with SZA and Victoria Monet and Janelle Monet um, being up in the general categories. Um, but I one th- and one one that I was I was a little surprised that it wasn't included. Uh, I thought it would have been if you have these songs from the soundtrack, the Barbie soundtrack. I thought that might have been included. Didn't get nominated. Yeah, it didn't get I'm nominated for album of the year. Um, and we haven't had that in a while. I feel like a soundtrack be nominated. I mean, uh, the Black Panther soundtrack uh, was the last one that I know of, but before that, it's yeah, it been a while. Very, I feel like. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like I said, uh, Taylor Swift and SZA have nine nominations each. Um, I Spice, I think, has four. Um, Yeah, and I think just because, like, I I didn't even I'd even think about this. Ed Sheeran was nominated for Best Pop Vocal Album. I, I forgot he had one. Which one? Subtract. Oh, subtract. I forgot he had an album out. Yeah, same. Yeah. Wow. Um, and there was one other thing that also stuck out to me. I follow um, Aluna from Aluna George on Instagram. And she has been very outspoken about black people in electronic music and how mm-hmm. they can get ignored. Um so for best uh, dance recording and best electronic, best uh, dance electronic album, there are no black nominees. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Now, for I'm looking because at that too, of the, I didn't realize the Chemical Brothers were still they're it. still around. Um, I didn't know. Yeah. Now in the, in the best dance recording, Coyle Ray. It's on the song Baby Don't Hurt Me with David Guetta and Anne Marie, but the award actually just goes to the producer. Mm. It doesn't go to the participating artist. Um so yeah, there there's also that conversation. I don't know how much um people will t- actually talk about it. Uh we'll see the the Foo Fighters have been nominated for best uh, rock performance. Um, Metallica, Disturbed, and Slipknot 
among the Who best metal their performance. <laughs> <laughs> um, Slipknot, that is, I should say. Not Lars. Lars is still with Metallica, but Slipknot just fired their drummer. Mm. Even though they tried to say that he um, he resigned, he was blindsided, but that's another issue. <laughs> um, Foo Fighters, Metallica, Paramore, Queens of the Stone Age, and Greta Van Fleet, nominated for Best Rock Album. Um... Yeah. We should do a prediction show, even though we haven't heard a lot of this stuff. I th- I, th- I still think it'd be interesting if we we yeah we just have to take our time and and go through some of these yeah because I'm uh, looking at some of these because I do have opinions on best R&B performance. I'm hoping, um, and I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion. I would love to see I see by Coco Jones win. I'm particular. I do like that song. I kind of look um, at it as if if you're nominated. Well, it doesn't happen all the time, but if you're nominated in the big four or the big three mm-hmm. and you should win at least one. In, and if you're nominated in any of these other categories, yeah, it'll likely be Kill Bill. Yeah. <laughs> and I do not like that song, but it was huge. You know? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I like the joke song she did on SNL more than that. But like, I think All My Mama will be nominated. will be will win best R&B song. Mm if it's nominated for record of the year yeah. <laughs> and song of the year. Um, yeah. So, uh, put best rap performance. Uh, this is just best rap performance. Uh, we've got players by Coyle Ray, uh, scientists and engineers, killer Mike featuring Andre 3000 future and Aaron Allen Kane. Rich Flex by Drake and 21 Savage, Love Letter by Black Thought, and The hip, the Hillbillies, Baby Keen featuring Kendrick Lamar. Um, and for best rap album, I don't know half of these people. <laughs> this one really to say for, for best rap album is that I think there was one year where it was like all of these older rappers <laughs> were all nominated for best rap album. It was like Nas, Freddie Gibbs, Royce the Five Nine. <laughs> um, but this year we got Travis Scott, Nas, Metro Boomin, Killer Mike, and Drake and Twenty One Savage. I think that is, this is pretty modern. <laughs> Nas Nas has won for King's Disease and King's Disease Two, and he's nominated for King's Disease Three. I think it's going to be people going to. I don't care, but I think people are just going to say something if it's not Drake and Twenty One Savage, mm-hmm. and then they'll say something if it is. Like this may be the worst <laughs> album in the category, and then if they what don't win. How is Drake not winning? How does Drake not win this, this category? Well, I thought Drake had taken himself out of consideration for the Grammys. That was the weekend. Okay. I, I guess it's easy to get them mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> Canadian, light skin. <laughs> uh, 
So, yeah, that was, um, that's all kind of stuck out to me. But the, the, the songwriter of the year being a new category, I thought was interesting. Um, let me go back up to that one. Uh, Justin Tranter, who worked with, um, is it Manskin or Maniskin? Main, uh, Manskin? Yeah, band. Okay. Something like um, that. I've never heard it said, actually said. The uh, Grease Rise of the Pink Lady soundtrack. Baby Tate, Talk, Renee Rapp, and Miley Cyrus, who wrote songs for them. Theron Thomas worked with uh, Lil Durk, Tyla, Chloe and Future, Sierra and Chris Brown, Corday, Chloe and Missy Elliott, Lotto, okay, Shane McAnally, uh, worked with Brandy Clark, Walker Hayes, Lauren Daigle, Old Dominion, Niall Horan, country guy, Sam Hunt, okay, Jesse Joe Dillon, Brandy Clark, Jelly Roll, Dan and Shay, Old Dominion, another Brandy Clark song, and Edgar Barrera. Work with Don Omar, Carol G, Bad Bunny, Grupo Frontera. Okay. So it's a pretty diverse pretty diverse field. Yeah, and these not they, it wasn't just like singles. I mean mm-hmm. I mean well yeah, they they had like songs that they worked on, but it wasn't just like the major singles. Because I thought like for yeah. sure Mark Ronson would be on here somewhere. <laughs> but <laughs> um or um is it DeMille? Um I think he um, co-wrote with he co-wrote uh did he co-write Oh My Mama I feel like he did yeah he did um so I thought he might have been there too but um yeah I, I guess I become so looks like only you were saying oh just I was just Checking because it looks like a pretty diverse set of writers. Look at how many women you got one. So it looks like um, Edgar Pereira. You've got like a Latin, someone who's Latin. You've got a female black or a black writer. You know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty diverse. I think they were for the first year. They probably wanted to try to do that. I bet. Cause I know the, the Grammys have been accused of not being, but just thought that was interesting. And then the producer, not classical category got Daniel, I want to say Daniel Negro, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, worked with is it Chapel Roan or Chappelle Roan, Olivia Rodrigo, um, and Caroline Polachek. That's is that where I've heard of this guy from? I think this is the guy that she got to do her first album. And like she brought him along. There's some story, some like inspirational story of how he got to work with her. Hmm. Uh, Olivia Rodrigo. Like if, if this is the same guy I'm thinking, if he's done, he's done all of her albums and there's a reason why. Okay. Got uh Metro yeah. Boomin, um, Hit Boy, uh, DeMille, who, uh, who I mentioned before. Um, and Jack Antonoff, uh, of course. Anytime Taylor puts out an album, 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, those are the Grammy um, nominees. Uh, do you want to go to the uh, charts or go to your, your your cover song of the week? Or no, no, we have one more story. Okay, yeah, I was like, so speaking of remember. Jack Antonoff and Taylor Swift, so um, she's changed the game as far as record contracts go. Is that yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> I guess you could say that. Um, it was on. I mean, it's not. It wasn't unprecedented. Many artists have done this. Okay, so we're talking about Taylor Swift, um, and her re-recording. So during our hiatus, she put out 1989 Taylor's version. Um, and I think by all measures, it outsold or at least outperformed the original release of 1989. So there's that. But, um, you know, with her, of course, we all know why she did it. You know, Scooter Braun scooped up and bought her catalog from Big Machine and refused to sell it to her. Essentially, or he didn't refuse to. He was willing to sell it to her under very dubious at best. Um methods i guess we yeah. could say um and so she starts doing the taylor's versions thing and and essentially making those old masters old copies of her album worthless um i always say house always wins because they just they'll, they'll find a way and so as a result record labels are now starting to revise contracts for the new artists that are requiring them to wait 10 15 or even 30 years before we recording their releases after leaving the label. <laughs> they said, nah, you're not gonna make art music worthless. Um, yeah, so like, and a lot of people have done this. I think Tonic did it, um, of all bands trapped, if anyone remembers them, they did it. And I think a lot of the reason why is just because they don't own the masters. Um, yeah. Hell, I think even Weedus did it at one point, but that was because the masters got lost. <laughs> so it's like they couldn't own them if they wanted. They just lost it. So they tried to recreate it, but just like it was never the same. And typically it isn't. And I'm I'm seeing that that's a big criticism of 1989. I think she's getting lazy. Um, either that or someone said it's because Max Martin wasn't involved and just you don't have that same, you know, production expertise. We know that he's an expert songwriter, but I think sometimes his ability as a producer sometimes might get overlooked but um I've, I've been hearing that like that it's just you can hear obvious differences in like the mixing and mastering and production and everything so but i mean what do you think about that though in terms of just like you gotta wait 30 years <laughs> you might be dead <laughs> um well it's um it like you said the house always wins they're gonna they're gonna find a way you know, this is, it's kind of like, um, you know, anybody who, who, um, who played their dad one-on-one -on -one in basketball in the driveway or something, <laughs> and you finally beat him and mm -hmm. he never plays you again. <laughs> it's like, he's not giving you a chance to, mm -hmm. you know, run up the score to run up the tally on him, you never play him again. And I think this is this is kind of in the same vein in which the record companies are like, we're not letting this happen anymore. Mm -mm. 
never again. Uh, yeah. So it's they 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 use their old man strength to um, oh. <laughs> to, <laughs> to uh, to um, to get back at these at the artist. And I understand that, you know, um, mm-hmm. you want there to be some kind of fairness to the artist as far as how they make money off of their music in perpetuity. You put out something mm-hmm. good, people are going to listen to it for years and decades to come. And you want to still be able to make money off of that. Um, mm-hmm. And when you're not able to own your masters and to, to, you know, to license those things for commercials and TV shows and movies or to even, you know, you feel like you should get more of the of the royalties based on the success that it has. Um, there's not a lot of protection for artists in that way. And mm-hmm. when, OK, they don't have their masters, but now <laughs> they can afford to get them back. Oh, nope, they're not actually for sale. So. <laughs> you can't get them. Um, so it's, it can be, um, um, difficult for artists to, to deal with that. So Taylor found a way around that system and she's not the first, you know, if y'all go on Spotify and find artists that have not to where like, you're not able to find their music like the original version of something, mm-hmm. you'll see the song that they're famous for, but it will say re-recorded next to it. And it does sound yeah. different. And it's not, it doesn't give you the same feeling as the original, but that is how they're going to make money <laughs> from their yeah. music because the original version isn't available on streaming. And because of One their thing- record label or something to that effect, it won't be available or they're fighting to make it available, but to make money in the streaming game, you got to have content out there somehow. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, makes me think of something that Kevin and I were talking about last night that I didn't realize, like you think about shrewd practices, not even just on the side of the, of the record company. Like you were mentioning, like, you know, they want to make the money. Um, I didn't know this Sharon Osbourne, um, to, and I forget their names, but Rob Tru- Tr- Rob Trujillo, who I always say his name wrong, and I forget the name of the of the guitar player, or the drummer, excuse me. But apparently, she had them come in and re-record um, a lot of stuff from Ozzy's like first maybe you know five or six albums. Mm. Right? They just re-recorded so that the original bass player and drummer didn't get money, and didn't even tell them why they were coming, why they were doing it. They just said, "Oh yeah, we're just doing it." for some cleanups didn't even tell them and they're not getting royalties off of it either. No one's getting royalties off of it. Probably except for Sharon. Wow. So it's kind of like, can you really blame (laughs) these (laughs) artists for wanting to look out for themselves when you have someone that shrewd, you know? Yeah. Like had them come in, lay down all new stuff. Doesn't tell them why puts it out and doesn't even pay them royalties for it. I feel like you or I would be embarrassed by that, but not Sharon Osbourne. No, sir. Not sure. <laughs> hey, to even come up with the idea in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. They can't be they in cut shame. Them out, so there's no shame. No, there cannot. <laughs> there cannot. So it's like, 
I get it. These companies, they want, they want content. And I do think to a certain degree, they record companies invest a lot. I think that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot either. or doesn't get talked about enough is the fact that like on the front end, it is, I mean, like if people say like, well, it's the artist and their blood, sweat and tears. I get that. I get that. But like, it is the record label that is literally putting up all the money and the record label that loses money if you fail. Yeah. And it's often been said, like, you know, it's an insane number of artists that um, actually fail every year. The the number of artists that succeed, very small. And those artists pay for everybody else who fails. <laughs> like, they'll try to collect from you. They'll try to get those, um, you know, um, advances and things back. We'll talk about, you know, that later with this topic. Because it's kind of, you know, um, timely. But you don't always get it back. I mean... And to think, and don't always. So, well, we've also talked about before, I think, with the Kenny G episode is that when he finally broke through, yeah. wasn't that the fourth album? Yeah, that was back when you, you don't get four albums. To, you don't get yeah. four albums. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those that him, I think, um, if I remember correctly, same thing with Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Like, um, I think Billy Joel, even though we, you know, he's the devil, but he's another <laughs> artist who, who struggled until they made it. So yeah, it's, you know, back then, yeah. Now, I mean, how long did Nicole Scherzinger's album sit? I think I guess forever. Was there they an album? It. They shelved it because yeah, the I, I, I don't recall there being an album. She never even got. Yeah, she never got out the gate. It's like <laughs> you get one. That one failed. Okay, well, because the Pussycat Dolls were so big. We'll give you up. That one failed too. Okay. Um, deuces. But what about the album? Deuces. <laughs> um, I said deuces. Yeah. They wanted to, they wanted to put it out. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean an album? You can't even get a single. Like, yeah. I'm not going to waste money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tax purposes, I think is what they, <laughs> at least that's what all the streaming services are doing. God bless David Zaslav from WB who has killed two movies now for tax purposes. <laughs> mm. So I imagine, you know, in the music industry, it's like we made the album is finished, but eh, tax purposes, we're not going to release it. Let's yeah, put it in the vault. Reminds me, I saw a um, future episode, y'all, future episode, uh, something about Giorgio Moroder. Um, he came up the other day. So, yeah. um, of course, uh, like he's known for, you know, the 80s soundtracks that he did a lot of music yeah. for. Um, and the most prominent artist that he worked with is Donna Summer. And mm-hmm. um, probably her first five or six albums, everything's produced by him. And um, at the end of her contract, she signed with, I think she signed with Geffen. And... Mm-hmm she had already had another album with George Maroder in the can. And um, they didn't want to release that. With It will be her first album mm-hmm. with the new label. They didn't want to release that album. They wanted to, to her to go in another direction. So they bring in like Quincy Jones. Um, mm. So it ends up being the the one with Quincy Jones. It ends up being a successful album. But through the 80s, um, less and less success. And she's not working with Georgia. She didn't work with him for like another 10 years, I think. Mm-hmm. The album that was shelved comes out 
15 years later. So it was like 1995, 96 that the album actually comes out that she had worked with with Jojo Marauder on. But the reason why it was shelved, I mean, the the reason that it was shelved, you would see that with, you could probably find that with a bunch of artists to where, you know, the album's made and it doesn't come out for some contractual reason. And with her, it was like, well, you know, disco's over and (laughs) that sound is played. (laughs) So they want her to do something else. Um, so you there there are a lot of stories like that where albums just never um never come out. I mean, you see it also with someone like well, we we talked about like the the vault with Prince. It sometimes yeah. the artist can has control over themselves where stuff will never come out and now yeah. it's up to his estate and hopefully they don't sell it for $20. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked into it recently, but I hope it's not. I hope that's not. <laughs> There's a lot of um, there's a lot of unreleased Michael Jackson material. If y'all listen to the 25th anniversary of Bad, I think there were like five or six, maybe more, unreleased songs. Mm. Um, or that were it was like the song became this song, so this was the original version of it. Mm. Uh, so. Those things happen. We you don't whatever people are making. There's your favorite rapper is recording something right now. Who knows if it's going to get put out? They will never see the light of day. Yeah, it may we may never hear it, or that was they'll put it out tomorrow. <laughs> I lived in the studio and just there's probably just countless verses songs we'll never hear. Yeah. What well, you think? There's more. I think on the the posthumous yeah. albums. I think they went through all that material. I mean, that's a good point. If there's more, that is insane. I mean, there's as many albums as there are in which we only knew about him for like three and a half years. (laughs) They said he lived like every day. Like, apparently, his work ethic was like legendary. So I don't know. Yeah, he was doing stuff in one take. He was, he was, you know, he was cranking them out in one take. But like to he have wasn't that like much a material. highly technical rapper, you know, so, you know, he wasn't, he didn't have to do the, the, the Kendrick Lamar takes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> got to do all this mixing and mastering and filtering and EQ and Kendrick Lamar out there, he's like the radio head of the radio head of rap. <laughs> <laughs> this is about the fall of Rome. Okay. Kendrick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, that'll do it for our music news. Uh, before we get to the charts, um, Ben, why don't you introduce the cover song of the week? I forgot how I heard this, but it was on TikTok. Um, I think it was someone did a cover of Baby One More Time, and it sounded similar to this one, and someone was like, yeah, the Marias did it better. So um, this is Baby One More Time covered by the Marias. Yeah, let me know what you think of it, y'all. All right. And we'll be right back.
song of the week but that is baby one more time by the marias uh still no playlist for this segment <laughs> maybe if we get a sponsor or something i don't know um so let's go to the charts i know it has been many weeks <laughs> since <laughs> uh, but we're just going to look at the the top 10 of right now. Okay. Um, all right, here we go. So number one this week on the hot 100 is cruel summer by Taylor Swift. Number two. Um, Love it on me by Jack Harlow debuting at number two, number three, paint the town red by Doja Cat, which was number one uh, previously. Uh, number four, Snooze by SZA, which had peaked at number two, and it's been on the charts for almost a year. Number five, Is It Over Now? Taylor's version. Uh, was number three last week. It's number five this week. Um, it, it was also at number one at some point. Number six, I Remember Everything by Zach Bryan featuring Casey Musgraves, which was number one at some point. <laughs> number seven, Fast Car by Luke Combs, which only peaked at number two, never got to number one. Also, shout out to Tracy Chapman being the first black songwriter to win a CMA <laughs> for Song of the Year. Number eight, Greedy by Tate McRae. Number nine, Last Night by Morgan Wallen and number 10 Thinking About Me by Morgan Wallen um, also looking at the chart here uh, Dua Lipa has a new song which debuted at number 11 so it'll be number 1 probably very soon and uh, it's happening already All I Want for Christmas is You is number 17 this week <laughs> I was hey, the look, they thought her out on Halloween, so P yeah, it's already what happened. is that, man? Like, that is so annoying. <laughs> as soon as Halloween was over, light the torches. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> stop it. Like, come on, so annoying. All right, let's look at the Billboard 200. These are the albums debuting at number one Rockstar by Stray Kids. Is this a rock band or a K-pop group? K-pop. All right. Um, number two, 1989, Taylor's version. Number three, debuting at number three, Higher by Chris Stapleton. 
Number four, For All the Dogs by Drake. Number five, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. Number six, Golden by, is it Young Kook? Jun Kook. Jun Kook. That's what I've, that's what I've heard. It's number six this week. Um, debuted at number two last week. Number seven, Midnights by Taylor Swift. Number eight, Nadie Sabe Lo Que Va A Pasar Mañana. Uh, which means nobody, nobody does it something i i can't remember my spanish is very rusty um <laughs> bad money is number eight this week number nine 11 11 debuting at number nine by chris brown and number 10 zach bryan by zach bryan and let's look at the artist 100 looks like number one is taylor swift no surprise there Re-entering the charts after being unranked last week. Stray Kids <laughs> is number two. Chris Stapleton, number three. Number four, Morgan Wallen. Number five, Drake. Number six, The Beatles, Ben's favorite band. Oh, yeah. And they put out, put out what apparently is their very last song. Their very last new song. <laughs> don't believe it. Number seven, Jungkook. Number eight, Zach Bryan. Number nine, Olivia Rodrigo. And number 10, Luke Combs. So, um, the reason why I asked Ben about pronouncing Jungkook's name is because that's your earworm of the week. Why don't you tell us about it? It is. Um, standing next to you, um, it's got like a kind of a neo-disco feel to it almost, but um, I heard it on TikTok, man. Somebody was somebody had it in their video, and I was, it's it's just really good. <laughs> like, I don't know who wrote it, but it's like a really really good song, and I'll just kind of let it speak for itself. All right, get it started here. This is "Standing Next to You" by Jungkook, and we'll be right back. Dysfunction gives me miracles 
That is Standing Next to You by Jungkook. And that is from his album Golden, which uh, just came out about three weeks ago. Almost three weeks ago. Yeah, I just can't get enough of that song. John Bellion um, is one of the writers on it, but I don't really recognize the others. Like, it looks like they've worked with some pretty big people, but I'd probably say John Bellion, just because he was a you know solo artist, probably the biggest no name, but these are guys, they've got a lot of creds to their name. Andrew Watt, I've seen that name. Um, yeah, me too. I just don't remember where. Looks like he's just uh, session work. He's produced for Justin Bieber, Miley Cyrus. Um... Oh, did he produce this song for Justin Bieber? Yeah. Uh, Let Me Love You, Justin Bieber and DJ Snake. Oh, good song. Um, Five Seconds of Summer, Cardi B. Uh, Chainsmokers, Ellie Goulding. Sean Mendez. Oh, he did the Senorita song, Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello. So yeah, he 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 out here. <laughs> so he got some heavy hitters for, sure. for the for Jim Cook's album. All right, so you can find that on our BTT YHT Earrooms of the Week playlist on Spotify right now. So we started this um, we started this episode with a sped up version of Blade <laughs> on the Rain because the it's sped up version is the. <laughs> The sped up version is what's hot in the streets. Um, I'm sure there's a dance. <laughs> How they be doing them? Always waist uh, waist up. Yeah, and and not moving any more than two to three feet to either side because you mm-hmm. got to stay in the frame. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, <Bring it. laughs> um, there was a uh, documentary released last month. Uh, about Millie Vanilli. You can find it on uh, Paramount Plus. If you have Amazon Prime and have Paramount Plus, um, that's where you'll find it. It's simply called Millie Vanilli, and we're going to discuss it. Yeah. So, um, remember, we do have a throwback episode. I think it's episode 19, something around there, where we discuss the Millie Vanilli scandal and basically how the everything came to be Mm-hmm. and how it wasn't the first time and it kind of wasn't the last time either mm-hmm. that um, the visual became more important than the uh, music itself. So I know a lot of people are familiar with the story. Um, one guy from 
Germany, another guy from France who moves to Germany. They become friends. They start dancing, <laughs> modeling. Yeah. <laughs> um, and performing. I uh, wish there was video of them before Frank Farian got a hold of them, but then they run into Frank Farian and the rest is history. Um, so we'll be discussing the documentary. Uh, it's about an hour and 45 minutes. And uh, of course, I have some notes. Samesies. Um, so starting at the beginning, um, just as one thing, a kind of a big picture thing of what goes into something like this. Uh, someone said um, you had to consider the machine behind a pop act. So considering the most successful pop groups, pop artists, there's a there's there's a team behind them pushing that artist out there as far as marketing, sure. um, doing interviews, like uh, everything that goes into any famous pop star you see. There's this huge machine behind it because it's, you know, you're trying to make them appeal to the biggest audience possible. Mm -hmm. That's what pop music is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just consider something like that, but then also keeping the secret. <laughs> um, next thing I had was. Uh, yeah, they should have just stayed models. Um, models, dancers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, ba but how they met was was funny to me. It basically Rob saw the other black guy at the party. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I do think there's one of the things that maybe wasn't present in the behind the music was there's a, I think it was focus on them as black men, black people. Um the sister that didn't understand the racism that he faced. Yeah. Thought that was interesting. Um and yeah, I imagine in nineteen eighties Germany, outside of maybe military you know, soldiers. Is there a big black population? Clearly not. <laughs> mm. If he was able to, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm in certain spaces. You're, you're it. So I, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, and that's always been, it's one of those things that you might say is a tale as old as time, but the, yeah. the racism towards the biracial kid in Europe <laughs> and it's that case oh, no, in Asia really. as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it reminded me of when, um, like Heinz Ward, I think is half Korean, mm -hmm. and okay. um, his the Korean side of his family would not, or he's half Chinese, um, but they mm -hmm. would not accept him. Um, <laughs> they like wow. kind of like um, exiled his mom. For many years. Wow. So that is a that is a thing about how, um, yeah, how biracial kids are are treated uh, around the world. Um. So they formed. They I didn't know they had formed a group. 
yeah, together. Empire Bazaar. Empire Bazaar. I, I was not aware as well. I thought this was the first thing they ever did. So, um, I wonder why that didn't take off. I guess because it made me think like if they were just able to rap in German <laughs> or French. There's a lot of issues I have that I'll. Then this would have been. As we go they would have been. They would have been fine. Yeah, like. I don't, yeah, there's just there's a lot of things going on here where like none of this would fly in 2023. Like, this would have been sussed out in like a week. <laughs> <laughs> this would have been. And once again, I'm here with Kevin yesterday and I'm, I told him we're doing this episode and he was like, his dad knew somehow like six months before this even came out. So like, yeah, they're not singing their songs. And like, as I look, as you look back at it, like they're just, they're a lot of signs. A lot of signs, yeah. but let's, I digress. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, they meet Frank Farian and then they, uh, then the documentary introduces us to Frank Farian and they bring up, uh, a group called Boney M. Yeah. Uh, which we had talked about when we, on the mm-hmm. other episode <laughs> and like how he, he basically did this again. Yeah, he um, was the voice yeah. of Boney M. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he he. This was not his first rodeo, as they would say. Yeah, definitely not. And I think he had a formula, but maybe it wasn't as refined. He maybe I don't know. Flew too close to the sun, as they say, because it seems <laughs> like there's some things he did here that like he didn't do with them. So I don't know, but yeah, it, it, yeah, just didn't work. <laughs> Um, or did, but didn't wasn't sustained. Excuse me. We'll yeah. Say that much. Um. When he the they get brought in to say, okay, we like how you look. We want to work with you, and gives them a contract. They said they didn't even try to read it. And what do we always say? Read your read contract. Your contract. I wrote in all caps. Did you read your Same. contract? No. <laughs> Same. I say this is a classic example of read your contract. Um, like wow, <laughs> like we didn't even try to read it. They just took the what, the fifteen hundred Deutschmarks. Yeah. Um, I, I put yeah fifteen hundred Deutschmarks and a bad contract. There you go. That's <laughs> that's what they got for their troubles. Pretty much. Um, yeah, but then at the but, same time know, they were being, they were also being taken care of in between because they said like months went by before they did anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. so they were being taken well, care of that way in the in the between time. But I would say though, would you call it taken care of or manipulated? I guess it depends on who you ask. Well, you I, ask the question one more time. Were they being taken care of or manipulated? Yes. <laughs> It's it's just it's wild, like especially when um, Fab tells it one way, and then they sit down with Ingrid and she tells it a completely different way. Yeah, you um, know, to where they somewhere in between. There's the truth. <laughs> yeah, if they're scared to like, oh, if we don't do this, then we got to pay back the money, and we don't have the money. Yeah. Or it, and then she says, "Oh, we didn't, we didn't threaten them in that way at all." Like, come on. Yeah. What, then, if they could have just left, then they would have just left. 
Yeah. Like I said, there's somewhere in between because I think we see later when they kind of get full of themselves. So I think somewhere in between there's the truth, you know. Somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, uh, Frank tells them after they sign the contract, don't fuck with me. And he meant it. He meant (laughs) every single, that might have been the the truest thing he said. The whole whole time, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The truest, like, you don't fuck with me. (laughs) Like, that's the one thing he did not lie about. Yeah. Um, And I guess they forgot, because yeah, as we will talk about later, they fucked with them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this scheme started right away, like immediately their first day coming into the studio. Um, and while Fab is excited to hear this music, I, I well, I guess the way it was presented, they made it seem like Fab just heard the song and. What raw and what was actually played was the finished song. Yeah, which is when they were like, "Why aren't you know? When are we gonna sing?" And they don't want us to sing. And and that's another part where it kind of gets, like I said, the truth is somewhere in between. You know, I think it was it was Rob that was super mad, yelling in German, yeah. telling him they don't want us to sing on this on the album. They want us to lip sync. Um, and then Ingrid saying they were exuberant about. It. They were excited. They were happy. Right. Somewhere in the middle. Truth is somewhere in the middle, you know. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, like, kind of, you know, begs the question, too. Did they realize they couldn't sing? <laughs> like, or were they just like, we could do it just as well. And, you know, Farron's like, no. Well, I think the thing was, like, mm-hmm. it was singing in different languages is is a different thing. Yeah. That is the thing. People may sing better in one language over another. So with mm-hmm. as Empire Bazaar, they're singing or and or rapping in German. Yeah. But now to do these songs in English, <laughs> using vocals from a dude who is from Houston, Texas. So uh, yeah. What what I didn't understand, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here because Charles Shaw, man, that guy, wow, um, just gives the bitterest. No, doesn't care. Yeah. Um, why didn't they just hire a German singer, a French singer, and just say, "Hey, you know, someone who's fluent in both languages." Over. They're trying to cross. Well, no, I'm like where, someone who well, can speak Where are you going to find that guy? Where are you going to find? I don't that know. Guy? Frank seems well connected. <laughs> he, I, I got these songs. I got to put these songs out. I got money to like, make. That's what I would have done. Like you know, because that's another thing. Like yeah, they speak with the thickest of accents. Barely speak English. I think like, that's in that's in one way where they weren't protected. Uh, I talked about in the in the other episode that they didn't do a whole lot of interviews or they looked yeah, uncomfortable in Frank interviews <laughs> because they have these heavy accents, but mm-hmm. they're singing and rapping in English. Imperfect, you know. And yeah, it's, so it's like it's like no one was protecting them as far as helping them as far as like um, no media training. No, yeah. <laughs> No, I, just put them I, that, out there. that uh, like I said, there are a lot of things that kind of like blew this thing up or, or hurt them in the long run. And that's mm-hmm. that was definitely one thing that these guys weren't they they needed a Mr. White. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, as far as yeah. doing these interviews. Um yeah. but I think like trying to keep a small circle on this whole scheme 
as another thing that 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 hurt them as well is that yeah yeah you're keeping a small circle about it but they're still they're not being protected at all well i think because you know it seems like at least in my opinion frank farian i still say he he flew too far from the sun and i'll say some other things about him later but he flew too close to the sun and i think he was i can do anything i can do anything mode yeah i can convince the world that two guys who barely speak english are singing in perfect english um and just you know probably just you know never thought though that it would get this big because i remember the thing as well like it blew up almost overnight it's huge we didn't expect it to be this big he probably never thought they'd have to do an interview like that yeah you know not to mention times had kind of started changing like he knew image had always been a big thing but like with the advent of things like mtv it's just kind of a different game like your artists have to be out there talking and be personalities and so I think maybe it's just he maybe he didn't anticipate that they said he didn't want them to go to america like he made they made that yeah he was trying to make this he, they'd be exposed a, a local at most regional thing yeah yeah he and, did not know, expect this been... to be a global phenomenon yeah um, next thing you know you're on club the club mtv tour and then you're the tapes on gets talk shows yeah so i thought it was funny i did i forgot to mention this i did think it was fun that they start out the entire documentary with the tapes <laughs> audio i thought it was very funny i was like that sums up everything perfectly yeah let's go <laughs> um, yeah um but as you said charles shaw you know so first like he hires these this black artists and i thought that was something else that was kind of the theme here which I think is a is kind of showing the progress the progression or progressiveness compared to the one that that came out you know twenty plus years ago is recognizing that Frank Farian made his money on the backs of black artists yeah and just kind of saw them as puppets to do as he pleased and yeah. I think Charles Shaw I mean like Milli Vanilli you know exemplifies it hardcore but I think Charles Shaw also. Because like, oh, you're you're running your mouth, but you're you're gone. Yeah. Like, and then when he tries to say something, basically plays the like, oh, look at this guy. Look at the way he's dressed. He's lying. Who is he? He's making this. Is that up. is that is a that's what we call gaslighting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Probably wasn't a term for that back in the late '80s, but. <laughs> But yeah, he just Frank just <laughs> Frank a, Frank's not a good dude, man. A smear campaign and then getting death threats from million vanilla yeah. fans. That's me saying it. No, it ain't. But I have I have proof. Look at how you're dressed. <laughs> I mean, this is the this is the kind of guy that James Harden would say is a liar and he refuses to be in his organization. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. so this whole thing I, I thought of you know, a phrase that you've used quite a bit, the proof of concept, proof of concept is why this happened. Mm -hmm. I did it before. I, I can do it again. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, so with them saying them, while there is some responsibility on, on Robin fab, too much responsibility was put on them. Yeah. Um, where they, you know, they said, we embrace the lie. 
So there's a little bit of responsibility. Yeah. But it's kind of like I would ask anyone, this was a life changing thing. These dudes were poor. Yeah. They're broke. Chasing a dream. And now it's dangled yeah. in front of you with these stipulations. Yep. Who would actually so, say no? Yeah. And that's, you kind of hear that sometimes. I will say this. One of the things I respected about John Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls when they signed their bad contract, they knew they were signing a bad contract. But he was like, what do you do when someone's holding your dream in front of you? Do you say no or do you just, you know, do it? He admitted that we just did it, you know, turned out okay for them in the end. Um, but yeah, like if you're, if you're Robin Fab and someone's like, yeah, um, here's a contract, here's 1500 bucks, go do your thing. Like, it's yeah, I mean, it, I'd be hard pressed to find somebody to say no. And you just probably think to yourself, we'll figure it out as we go along. <laughs> yeah. We'll just figure it out, you know. But in this case, as, so as they like, what, how do you, what is there to figure out? How do you do that? Like yeah. trying to, I wrote, trying to keep this up is that was pressure. Yeah. Especially. So, <laughs> um, it was, I wrote here, it was very obvious when you watched them trying to rap in some of those early performances, early videos, it was me, at least it was pretty obvious. He couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, ex- ex- I think the blame it on the rain video, especially like, I know you're lip syncing in videos, but it was quite obvious in the Blame on the Rain video that he was not singing. And um, tried to, he had it, to sell it, too, like, with yeah. all the theatrics to distract yeah. from the fact that he's not actually singing it. Yeah. Like, he didn't understand even how to shape his mouth to sing. <laughs> like, like, he just didn't know how. You could just, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, God. But I guess, you know. We're watching it in 1080p 4K now. Back then, you're watching it in what 480 at best. Yeah. So you know. Um, and I think that's why as they got more attention on them, you know, and I think the Grammys piece was huge. That performance, you're in front of yeah, a bunch I, of people. I who didn't know they actually looting. performed. I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't know they Look performed. on Ozzy Osbourne's face. Like, why y'all cut to Ozzy on that? <laughs> like, he looked like I wish I and was or drunk. They cut to them, too. <laughs> like, like he just looked like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, we're the drugs. Like, I don't want to be <laughs> sober for this. You know, it was, yeah. I, I think, like, you, you can fake it in front of fans. You cannot fake it in front, in front of, of industry your peers. Experts. Yeah. Like, they do this for a living. Yeah. They know they're looking like oh, no, this this is not this ain't real. Do you see that? He's not even. Oh yeah, this is fake. Yeah, this is totally fake. Like they just knew it. The fact that and this is maybe I should have been out on the academy years ago. They paid them off to let. Oh yeah, they got paid sick. off. Yeah, they got paid off. I should have been off the Grammys, man. Yeah. Ooh, Mandard was right. The weekend was right. <laughs> Um, next thing I had was uh, okay, they only had that one song, Girl, You Know It's True, and I think this was just meant to be a one off thing. Um, yeah, no, because they, they haven't then they had to employ other writers to help them finish, yeah. Like, um, we got to get this thing out fast, like, 
It was funny. Even the other vocalists were lied to. The twin backup singers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was like, well, They'll come in at night. <laughs> well, yeah, they're gonna come in in the evening. Oh, oh, okay. Um, all right. <laughs> so, um, the Diane Warden, Diane Warren didn't seem to know. Um, but it, it well, was like, yeah, how how could it, she? Yeah. She probably never even met Frank Farian. Uh, it was just mm-hmm. like. Clive's like, hey, you got a song? Yeah, I have a song. All right, we're going to give it to them. Oh, okay. Yeah. The end. I I definitely <laughs> think this shows, this and the German version of the album really kind of showed how um how small the, or how large the world was back then. You know, like the fact that like, like nowadays, I don't think that flies. But back then it's like, I'm in America, you're in Germany. I'm good. I got it. Like at that point, they're like, we're sending him the songs. You got to mail those songs. Yeah. Like who is, you know, if he's doing all the work at his studio in Germany, who's flying from Los Angeles to Germany just to check in on things. No one, (laughs) especially if I'm Arista, I'm not your, I'm your American distributor. I don't distribute anything in Germany. I'm not going over there. So it's like, Frank is like, yeah. So then Frank is trying to keep it an even smaller operation. Yeah. To where there's no one else in the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's limiting all of that. Um I'm surprised it make yeah. them sign NDAs, honestly. Like Charles Shaw and um the two female backup singers and the other guy. What was his name? Was it something Powell? Yeah. I forgot. Um, Charles yeah. was it not Charles Powell, I can't remember. But yeah, John Powell, I think. But I'm surprised they make them sign NDAs. Like I would have taken legal action. Um, not saying that Charles, because I don't think it was Charles that spoke. He said it was like his, uh, like a manager or something that said something. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah uh, like Charles, I would've... with Charles um, Shaw. Yeah, his manager uh, said we're going to do Running these Smith. interviews. Yeah. Running. Yeah. So. Um. So on the German version, they told us already. Yeah, it was <laughs> they were on the liner notes. <laughs> That's that's I'm telling you that's Frank flying too close to the sun. They're like you gonna put Robin Fab on there? Nah. Who? Yeah, it's in English. Those those German teenagers. Like, but they're gonna know that they didn't sing. Yeah, but also we're not lying to them. (laughs) Which makes me wonder if the the German record company had like rules or something. They're like, yeah, we can't do this. Like it's obvious they're not singing. We're not putting their names on there. We're not liable. You can do whatever you want in the States. You're not doing it here in Germany. <laughs> You're not doing it here, Frank. We know We know the gig. We know what you did with Boney M. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I, I would like to know, because they never really went into depth about that either. Of course, Frank was not interviewed for this. And I don't think they talked to any of the German record execs. So I'm very curious as to why they did it that way. Yeah. Like they did not define that because that's you know, if you think about it, that's dangerous. But then again, that also shows how large the world was back then. They might have been lying, but those Arista execs said they didn't know that. They didn't know that they were not on the liner notes. Yeah, because they 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 had their own um, their own pressing yeah. as mentioned before. They they, they rearranged the the track list order uh, for mm-hmm. an American release. 
because they because they, they because what they the original version didn't have "Blame It on the Rain" on it. And like, okay, we need a couple more songs, so that's when Diane Warren comes in. So, um, yeah, they claim they didn't know, but everything just, everything was saying to me that they knew, and they was like, "Well, we're just gonna try to keep this going as long as we can." The gravy train keep on delivering. Yeah. I mean, the album sold 46 million worldwide. Worldwide. Like I say, it's the largest album. Insane. The largest selling album to be out of print. Yeah, that's insane. Um, So, like, I think at that point, maybe Thriller had what done maybe 20 something million. Yeah. Had it hit 30 yet by then? I mean, like, that's insane. 46 million records. Think, and that's your debut. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Your so, three yeah. of your first four singles go number one. The fourth one went number two. Yeah. Like, you know. Um, so I guess reluctantly they end up going to America uh, for the MTV tour. Uh, they had to hire a band. <laughs> and then, I felt so and bad the, the band leader's here. like, all right. And then they were just gone. So like, these guys must be good. <laughs> I felt bad for him. Good. He's like, probably, oh. oh God. He's probably just like I, I imagine like maybe like a few shows in, he's like, I don't think they're singing. <laughs> like, I don't think that's well they, they realized it. They realized that oh, they're lip syncing. Okay. Well, I guess this is a, a lip sync band. Because I, I don't yeah. think it, it it wasn't a big deal. Okay, they're not singing live. But no one's thinking they didn't sing at all. They're just I thinking, like oh, the they don't sing probably live. probably figured it out. I think the band leader, he probably, like, the first time he goes over and introduces himself and he hears them talk, he's just like, you didn't sing on this, did you? <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like he just realized, like, from the jump, he probably kept his mouth shut. It's like, this, this gig pays well. We're just going to keep on, keep on trucking, man. Um, Keep on trucking. So yeah, then the uh, then the the tape skipped. I hadn't seen that clip in a while. Um, Didn't realize it happened on my birthday. (laughs) 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 Um, I also didn't realize that they were booing them. I think there's some. So I think behind the music sanitized some things because. They made it sound like a big deal in the moment, but then after that, they're like, yeah, no one really seemed to notice. But then we hear a phone call where Arista is, they're scared. Yeah. They're like, this could be, this this is, this is over. It could, this could be done, you know? So like, I thought that like it happened, no one seemed to care and they just went back out, but fans were booing them when they ran off the stage. It was insane. Yeah. And the band's like, oh, we got to keep playing. We gotta keep playing. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, yeah, VH1 heavily sanitized that whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's what VH1 does. So um yeah. So this just became like more of a a wide open secret type of thing. Um yeah, that's what where everybody knows David Letterman's got <laughs> jokes, Arsenio Hall has jokes, Living Color and Living Color has jokes. Sinbad had Sinbad jokes. had jokes. <laughs> So the, all these people had had jokes about it, but it just wasn't confirmed. But it was just some like, I think just everyone knew there's something off with these guys, something inauthentic about all of yeah. this. 
So, um, yeah, but as it was mentioned a little later that majority of their audience was white. Mm -hmm. So even like, I don't know if, if it was just, uh, well, black people know what's going on or <laughs> this that is, is not, question. they're rapping, but that is not, that is not good rapping for us. Let <laughs> <laughs> me turn on my uh, this, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Boy band rapping. <laughs> That's what that was, boy band rapping. Which wasn't a thing uh, at the time. I think only like the dude from New Kids on the Block. Yeah, no, he's the originator. <laughs> yeah. Um, um yeah. I wrote here Frank was die with a lie. Like he just no matter what, he was not like it comes out. No, yeah, no, that's totally false. He he just he was going down with the <laughs> deny, shit no matter what. Deny everything. Deny. <laughs> um and I wrote here that Ingrid reminds me of um I want to make sure I said Glenn Maxwell. I, like she just handled all the bad the same stuff. Thing. All the bad stuff. This and is, on top of that, this is this is definitely much lower stakes. <laughs> than oh yeah, what yeah, Glenn yeah, yeah definitely for sure, for sure. Don't want to get that mistaken. Yeah. But she handled a lot of his dirty work, and I'm pretty certain um, she was probably having an affair with Rob. I thought, I thought she certain. was. I thought she was being a mother figure because he grew up an orphan. I, I know I get that, but like I don't know because she was like we had a love for each other, but it wasn't sex. But I didn't believe her when she said it. Like I was like, oh, okay, they might have like, once. I could see it. <laughs> I just, but they they definitely had something going on. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, but yeah, she definitely. I got that impression. Like, because it sounds like she handled she kind of handled them a lot more than he did. Yeah gave them their name kind of babysat them and in, in certain in certain times and and genuinely really kind of seemed to like them yeah <laughs> so yeah probably more than frank but <laughs> <laughs> frank only saw dollar signs um, basically so i had charles shaw rightfully bitter yeah and they gaslit the hell out of him yeah um It, Clive Davis knew. He knew. He knew the whole time. Oh yeah, I wrote Clive knew. I said Clive, Clive knew the whole time. <laughs> Clive knew. Yeah, but he doesn't want to. He has his reputation, and he can't be. It, he can't come out and say I got fooled. <laughs> yeah, because he's supposed to be the guy with the golden ear, right? So you can't come out and say like, yeah, bro, they got me. Yeah, I mean, and honestly. I don't think he has anything to be ashamed of because clearly the music was good. It sold like that should be what the takeaway is like, well, I mean, yeah, they weren't singing, but like, damn, it's not like the music was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they weren't, you know, it, you know, sold half a million. Like we did pretty well. <laughs> yeah. You know, probably one of the biggest, you know, artists Arista ever had, but yeah, he just, I think his ego. Wouldn't, so wouldn't let them. They're winning American Music Awards, getting the the, the, the golden <laughs> trash Grammys, <laughs> uh, the golden <laughs> platinum plaques, and apparently them being submitted for the Grammys was an accident 
from their manager. So that was hilarious. That was so funny to know that, like, if it wasn't for him, this probably never comes out. <laughs> we'll just be speculating for 30 years. Yeah. It's just content. Unless, you know, when they said they want to sing on the second album, then they start causing problems. If that still happens, of course, you know, Frank goes nuclear. But, like, yeah, if they haven't got, they didn't get nominated, it probably, you know, at least their peers don't know, you know? Yeah. Because as we were just saying, the Grammy, that Grammy performance kind of blew the doors wide open. You know, they, it seemed like they did a good job for what it was, but people still kind of were like, yeah, that's, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, everyone knew. Man, if they, if they, uh, well, that's kind of, I mean, that, that was definitely part of the, um, with behind the music where, you know, Rob was saying, he's like, everything's going to be fine as long as we don't win the Grammy. And then they gave us the goddamn Grammy. (laughs) (laughs) He seems so bad about it. (laughs) Like, it's supposed to be like the greatest moment of your life as an artist. And it's like, shit. And that I didn't, I hadn't, I had never seen their acceptance speech before. Me. Either. That was what, like 15 seconds? It sounded almost like a confession. <laughs> like, this is for everybody because we don't deserve we, this. So, this is for everybody. Like, <laughs> this would sounded like a confession. <laughs> like, he's telling us right here. He's telling us. Um, That's what it felt like. Yeah. The performance. He said anyone can do it. Yeah, he said that too. Anyone can win this award, like just like us. I mean, yeah. um, this is for y'all. Thank you. <laughs> what it felt like. Oh man. Um. So also, um. Well, you'd like the the president of the academy may have been paid off to allow them to 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 have the playback um and they were talking about the winning the award that crossed the line with the whole scheme i feel yeah, like the, the line was crossed the line was crossed way before that oh yeah no yeah 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 is there a moment you think that the line was crossed before the grammys um I mean, the whole idea, because I don't, because to me, I'm totally okay with all of this. And I need to go back and listen to that first episode we did to see if my opinion has changed here. Um, Because all pop music is is about image. And like they said, no laws are broken. So I don't know if I ever feel like a line was ever crossed. Mm. Like, did we enjoy the music? Did they put on a good show? Then what's the problem? I think the problem came when... And I guess I guess technically the line would be the Grammys is like this was cute until you beat De La Soul, until you beat shout out to the Indigo Girls, until you beat the Indigo Girls, Girls until you started. Yeah, until you started beating people who are actually making real music. You know, like you did something you weren't supposed to do. And that's the problem, although they know the Academy votes on this, so I guess it's kind of their fault, too, but. Like it makes me think of the movie Cheaters, where it's um the Chicago the Simets cheating scandal. Simets was like this underprivileged Chicago public school 
and uh, Whitney Young, which is where I think uh, Michelle Obama went, was like the perennial school that always won. Oh, like and, the like the the wasn't it like a deca- academic decathlon? Yeah, thing? and yeah. they always win. And the one year that Steins wins, they say that they cheated. Now, did they cheat? Absolutely, they did. But the <laughs> fact that they even felt the need to look into it was because they were never supposed to win. Yeah. So it didn't matter. It would have mattered if they did it honestly. The fact that they just the fact that they won, you're not supposed you don't belong here. You're not supposed to be here. Clearly you cheated to get here. <laughs> and so I think in the minds of people, like that is in their opinion, that's when it went too far because like you were ne- you're not supposed to be here. Why are you here? You guys aren't serious artists and you don't even sing your own songs. We all know it. We can see it. So I guess for them, but I don't think a line will ever cross just because I don't I, I don't have any problem with it, you know? Like the music was good. That's all that matters. You just needed pretty people to sell it. Fitting, this says more about the music industry than anything. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that like if they were if those people, the people who sung on the original songs came out looking the way they did, i.e. Christopher Cross, <laughs> they don't sell. So yeah. Um after the after the Grammys, the after party was <clears throat> Oh, that was funny. <laughs> you, you, they, it's kind of like they, they had like the biggest sin you could have at the time as in, in music, the biggest sin you could do was, um, say you're bigger than the Beatles, but it was kind of yeah. like compounded on itself. Cause first they big time Paul McCartney. Yeah. They laid <laughs> like, Whoa, who are you? <laughs> and then they say, Oh, we're bigger than the Beatles. Okay. Yeah. You, you just about done. Yeah. Pump the brakes kid. <laughs> and this whole time but the thing that was funny like during this whole time with like dealing with the Grammys uh, the touring and all that Frank's already got the next album done he which is insane done. <laughs> which is insane like he just like the I mean like for all of his faults he had a good ear he was smart and he was talented and he worked hard it seemed like, there's no rest for Frank Farian. We all are out here pretending to be pop stars. I'm in this lab with a pen and a pad <laughs> trying to get this next album off. <laughs> Let's go. <You> know? <laughs> yeah. So he had the uh, he had the next album done, and then they're like, "We want to sing," and then the you know Clive and the other Airster execs are like, "These guys want to sing on the next album," and Clive's like, "Nah." Nah, we, we can't do it. And then they tried to blackmail Frank. And what did he say when they signed that contract? Don't fuck with Don't me. Don't fuck with me. He proved it. And that's what I was referring to <laughs> earlier this episode. He showed it. He was like, I will go. You think I can't find two more black guys to sing my songs? Just watch me. And Ben, <laughs> that's exactly what he did. He found two more black people. Like he went, he named went it the nuclear. real Millie Vanilli, and put out that second album that was already done. Yeah, <laughs> like he basically went on there as like, yeah, I've been lying this whole time. Um, I did it. They helped me, and um, here's the real people who did it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like that's the I don't diabolical. Frank is di- like absolutely diabolical, man. 
absolutely. Like it was just, worse than I thought. It was worse than I remember. Yeah, it <laughs> like, was pretty bad. Wow. <laughs> and he just and he just said it like so matter of fact. Yeah. Like it's like yeah, I did it. What? <laughs> uh yeah, they didn't sing, and you know, I wanted to find two good-looking people for this music. Any questions? They yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything? Anything? I While think that's on the, the other side, <laughs> Robin Fav's press conference was chaos. Com- yeah. I hadn't seen some of that footage before. Yeah, it was pretty rough. It was, it was, and honestly, and this is also kind of where Frank Farian's genius comes in. His press conference looked extremely controlled. Right. Like he called it. He probably invited people who would ask softball questions, if any questions at all. It was dun dun dun, we're out. Whereas it looked like was that of Grammy's press conference that they, that Robin Faber at? Uh, no, that no was control. that was uh, right after um, the Grammys made their decision to give. Okay, yeah. And so they had a press conference the next day. Um, yeah. So with them like answering these questions and what people are at, it was like one thing I thought that, yeah, the journalist (laughs) took it personal. Yeah. While Rob is trying to smile through the whole thing, like while you're you're not completely innocent, you're not fully responsible, but I mean, you're you're a little bit responsible, but I think people were, yeah, the journalists took it personal. I don't know who they were actually representing as far as like, yeah. are you, are you a fan or are you like I'm, such a, or, you know, how important well, I mean, I know is musical like integrity the, to you on this? Yeah. And I think that's kind of, at least I like to think that may be what it comes down to is like journalists are supposed to be seeking the truth. Right. And, you know, you don't want to be seen as taking an easy on someone. So I understand that piece. And this is coming from someone who did study, you know, to be a journalist. Um, however, some of that sounded mean spirited. Oh, yeah, it and, def- definitely. And I still think like the press and I mean, their fault or not their fault. Frank Fran was kind of let off the hook. He was you know, completely let and off I the mean, hook. He was he like they said he was unscathed. Like nothing yeah. happened to him. Nothing happened to the people at Arista because of plausible deniability. Yeah. Nothing happens yeah. to Clive Davis. Everything fell on Robin Fab. And my thing is, who let them do that press conference? Because because I, I, I also wrote, no where was your manager? You to do one. Yeah, like no one can force you to do a press conference. But it's like once a decision was made, they were on their own. Their manager's yeah. gone. The label's gone. Everybody, Frank's everybody gone. To get as far away as they could. Like they were, they were out there on an island. Yeah, everyone and, that, but that's everyone washing their hands, you know. And it took it was like pulling teeth to get that one exec to admit that they knew six months in advance of the Grammys. Yeah, like it took him. It took them pulling teeth to get that, and he seemed like he didn't want to admit it. <laughs> Like they just abandoned them. Like <laughs> I wrote, they. I was like, my guy created a monster. Then got mad when they stomped on a building. That's essentially yeah. what happened. Like you created these monsters. Were they were they a little entitled? Yeah, but we, now we know the background. They're trying to piss him off. They're trying to make his life miserable. 
and they they clearly they succeeded because he went and blew the whole thing up and then just was like you know pissed off at the germany <laughs> was like come and find me like just you know and, and came out completely unscathed and i'm pretty sure like you know i don't know i feel like nowadays that wouldn't happen like the producer like someone like a frank farian that people would you'd have there's too much social media and it's like the worst thing you can do is not say anything. And there'd be a thousand videos trending about a Frank Farian. Yeah. And so you come out and say something like you'd have to back then he was just able to control the narrative. Um, also like going back to the, the press conference, uh, yeah. Journalists were taking it personally yeah. and, um, I think some like were still unable to wrap their head around it. I mean, I understand that, you know, you can't do it as quickly as others, but it was like, mm -hmm. well, why don't you guys just, why did I, it feel like they, the, the journalists thought like the guys might've had like some kind of control over this whole thing. Yeah. I feel like they were asking, well, why don't you guys just sing? And, 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 and you know, that and so, and then though. he, and then Rob sings the hook and we, yeah, you, you, not the best singer. you knew how that was gonna go, and yeah. then Fab he raps that he raps his part, and <laughs> I think all the jurors are like, oh, I think that like those the yeah. aha moment, like oh, they really can't, <laughs> they really can't I do think it. <laughs> that also kind of goes to show as well. Even these plugged in journalists, probably still a lot of like mystification around how the record industry works, how yeah. contracts work things that you're allowed to and, and and not allowed to do. So they're probably thinking like, yeah, just sing. Like we're not, we weren't allowed. The mics weren't on baby. Like <laughs> <laughs> they weren't going to risk that. No, you, you know, we were just hired guns. And then they, and so then think, with, uh, yeah. with Rob saying like, Hey, you know, we, we lived in the projects, you know, mm -hmm. if, if we didn't do this, we would be back in Munich working at McDonald's. And then that one journalist said, your talent would have gotten you out. Like, would you, what Shut talent, up, bro. What, what talent? What the hell are you talking about? Is, is the talent in the room with us? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, no, it's, it's, and I think honestly, too, the other piece of it was I don't think they like getting fooled. Like, you got to imagine if they're at a Grammys press conference, these are probably people that have covered them. Yeah. Have had to write about them, have probably heaped praise upon them. And I think maybe that's probably where some of the personal part of it came. Like I said good things about you. I misled people about you. Um, now that I I was also misled, so now I'm mad. Yeah, yeah. So, but like they were in a you know between a rock and a hard place. You know, yeah, you got to read your contracts, and I don't know who was telling the truth. Like I said, somewhere between. But still, like it sounds like they weren't getting out of it. And like no. knowing what we know about Frank Ferry and now, they I might have signed a seven album deal. There were provisions in there to keep them in check. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there were. This was his first rodeo. Yeah, he flew too close to the sun, but I'm pretty sure there were provisions in there like, if you talk, you die. I don't know. I'm just kidding. He probably didn't say that. But like, you will lose everything, you know. He was, because he was clearly willing to blow it all up himself. And you're like, this ain't working. All right, let's go. Let's go. Uh, play but I think he, I think he knew the risk. Yeah. Or, or there was no, there was really no risk for him. No, no. 
I was like, yeah, I'll blow it up. I'll just I'll do it again. Yeah. Yep. Somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he he technically did it again immediately. <laughs> yeah. It's almost kind of like he just had them on speed dial. Like, all right, so the first, it, this didn't work. Let's actually get American people this time. You know, <laughs> that'll be more believable. It, it w- and nothing really changed. <laughs> like, they were almost dressed the same. Yeah, had reds. <laughs> uh, annoyed the two female backup singers. They're like, they were there from the beginning. It was us. <laughs> He's like, and that was the funniest part. He told us, I can't use you. You're not black. You're not black. <sighs> <laughs> I think that's when I wrote Frank is a piece of shit. <laughs> He's just like, I don't care. It's like you're not you don't fit what I'm looking for. I know we didn't talk about it, but Diddy has nothing on Frank Farian. Uh, I'm just I'm gonna say oh, it no, right now. No. He's got nothing not on even, him. No. Nothing. Like, yeah, Diddy steals, but Diddy doesn't like run over you. Like Diddy doesn't like, you know, basically be like, oh, you don't want to do it? Fine, I'll just go. I'll, you know, yeah. Frank is is, and then to show up at the end of the funeral and pretend that he was there the whole time, like you didn't ruin this man's life, and it are the reason that he's here, man. If you don't, <laughs> that's that's like that's. At that point, I just imagine like you lie so much that you just believe your lies. You just you just believe it. You just say it and you believe it. It's like a magical power or something. Um one thing that was funny to me is that like you said, where like people were like misled, the lawsuits were ridiculous. Hilarious. Hilarious. Like I, I, I listened to the album and I, I just imagine it was them singing. And so yeah, it's not. Me. Therefore, Therefore, you got fooled just like everyone else. Yeah, get in line. You want your refund for the CD? It's not how this works, Tits. And you probably didn't see, you didn't have the foresight to realize this album could be worth something one day. These guys didn't sing on it, and I have it. I have a physical Mm -hmm. copy. Instead, y'all were steamrolling them, (laughs) which makes no sense. Who buys albums to steamroll them? I don't understand that. Don't understand it. Um, Sells a sale. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Rob and Fab project. Um, it just didn't work, man. I understand what the dude was saying. I think he was their producer and engineer. Like based yeah. on curiosity, curiosity, they can sell a million yeah. copies. Like, mm, I think even if it was mm-hmm. like right after. I don't think so. I do think now if that happened today, you could probably get a million streams off of Curiosity. Yeah. But not sales. Well, Andre 3000's album album got 3 million streams. Yeah. So you could get it nowadays off of Curiosity, but back then, I have to take myself to the store. Probably spend (laughs) upwards of 20 bucks. Mm, I'm good. These are the dudes that don't sing. I'm good. And then when the the clip where they were, I think that was Inside Edition, where they were talking about it, and that she wanted them to sing on the spot. Like That's, that had to be awkward. Where is That's your awkward for- manager? Where is your manager? Yeah, I'm sure y'all had like, a new manager. Be... He would not have allowed this. 
that's kind of being the list of questions that are like off top, like off um off limits. It's like here's the list; these are off limits. And like that's when I would have been like, I would if I'm there. Like, Do not ask them to we're, say. We're done. we're done. This interview's over. Rob, Fab, let's go. This interview's over. You'll be hearing from my lawyer. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. Where was there like God? Like that goes to show how important a good manager is. And I and I I'm spacing on the name of Bobby V's manager that we had on for that one episode. Oh, Melinda. Melinda. You know. I know she she talked about what she does and the difference in like you know uh, your regular manager and tour manager and stuff like that, but like that just kind of goes to show how valuable good management is. Like the yeah. good manager is not letting that happen, but no one cared, you know. I mean, hell, they even said like the agency they were with, they gave him like a rookie, never been a manager before. Like yeah. whoa, like we're the hottest thing right now, and you're like <laughs> pawning us off on like. I, I just uh, a wannabe. Uh, it's kind of yeah. like that. Uh, there's an episode we did about like that R. Kelly documentary, and I know you you <laughs> referenced this as like the guy who took over the case of trying to find one of the girls. It might have been his first case. <laughs> yeah, he just he walking has like this huge stack of papers and. <laughs> yeah, he just he, he looked like he just. It was the same like, situation with this guy becoming their manager. No, he says I'm in over my head. I don't know if you understand that. Like he was, was just driving last week. He, he was grabbing coffee. <laughs> you want to marry? You want to manage Millie Vanilli? What's a what's a Millie Vanilli? What's a- <laughs> he said he was a fan. He was a fan of him. Oh God, he did say he that. Said he was he? a fan. Oh man, <laughs> it's like no fooling. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh God! He's like a little starstruck. I won't lie. <laughs> I forgot he did say that, oh, and that's man. the best he could do for them. Mm-mm-mm. But like when no they, he, with that press conference, he was gone. Gone. No wonder he sent them in for the Grammys. He's just like, I think they deserve everything. They just, they should get everything. His fandom. His fandom yeah. ruined everything. <laughs> that's why he was the last to know. He said, "What do you mean they're not singing? No, shut up. No, for real. For real." No, stop it. <laughs> He's probably like torn. <laughs> God, that's hilarious. She's like, I, I submit them for the Grammys. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? <laughs> Getting yelled at for doing something what you thought was right. <laughs> Clive and the other dudes were yelling at him. Like, he yeah, was y'all never knew. the same. Y'all knew a long time ago. He's like, yeah, I'll never do a nice thing again. <laughs> Can I just go back to getting coffee? <laughs> Basically. Um, so yeah, the the Robin Fab project sold two thousand copies worldwide. That's um, insane. That's such yeah. like that's that sounds like gifts. Like that's not like sales. That's like we bought a you know some copies to give out to friends and family. That's that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like the people in the in the German town where they were from or something. I don't know. Like those are paltry numbers. Um, as far as I got was with uh, when they ran into each other in L.A. Oh, that sounds. You know that. And Fab took him home. Took him home, and, and it's a crack house. Oh, it came. Like it came. It came. Coming out the coming out the dark. Last life is our Oh man, that's what that made me think of. It's just like, oh man, you just oh, 
God, just really let yourself go, man. Just really let yourself go. Feel bad for the guy. Um, it's, so, yeah, he just didn't handle it like like Fab did, man. Yeah, Fab. He 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 went and got vocal lessons, and yeah. he's like, I'm, I'm just going to start making some new music. And then he appears on the RuPaul show. I'm pretty sure that was on VH1. Yeah, sometime in the mid '90s. What kills me though is like, and they didn't go in depth there. And this is something I wish I would know about. Like we know Fab eventually gets married, has kids, but um, what was it a support system, lack of support system, or is just, you know, was Fab just more equipped? I don't know. Cause like, they don't really talk about that. Like what happened for Fab that didn't happen for Rob? Or was it just as simply as simple as like Rob couldn't kick his addiction you know, fast forward to next thing you know, he's dead. Like, I just wonder, like, why did Fab turn out okay and Rob didn't? Like, what was there, you know? Um, I, I really, or was it all just drugs? Like, Rob, Fab was like, no, nah, I don't do that. And Rob was like, I do. I don't know. I looked at it as Fab was an, is an optimist. Mm-hmm. And he always felt that they could get to the other side. Mm. He it's like he saw the light at the end of the tunnel all the time yeah. and it was going to be, you know, it may take a lot of work to get there. But because I I made fun on the last episode, like, why are you still out here trying to make this happen <laughs> after all this time? <laughs> but I just but now I see it as he's he was just trying to stay, stay positive. He's going to keep this going. And like he was talking about how him and Rob started growing apart. As after yeah. the after the Robin Fab project didn't go well, so they grew apart, yeah. and so he's like, "Well, I'm still going to try to do this." Um, and, and I kind of see it too just, from that interview. I just have to work at it. From the press conference too, like now that you mentioned that, like, yeah, Rob was trying to smile through it all, but like Fab probably was more positive and upbeat in that interview. Whereas you could clearly tell, like, um, Rob was was rattled. Stressed. He was upset. Yeah, like he was not. You know, he he took it as personal as the reporters made it. Yeah, and I think that's a that's an interesting call out to kind of as as in terms of like different personalities and how they handled it. Because like, yeah, because Fab was like, you know, hey, what it is, what it is. Rob was like uh, on the attack. Yeah. You know, he is like he kind of tried to plead his case. This is what it is. We were in a in a in a no win situation, and when they didn't accept it, he the teeth came out. He was he was you know calling out the reporter. Have you ever been poor in, in the ghetto? Like he just yeah, that's good. That's a good call out then. Yeah, um, personalities. Yeah, and I think I mean nothing. I know I would say I guess as far as Fab's background. um, he grew up in Paris oh, in and then the, moved to Germany. Yeah. Rob growing up an orphan. Yeah. Um, so it, it maybe it was literally like no support system was there. There was yeah. no one he could trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, you know, he ends up getting into drugs, into heavier drugs, uh, yeah. getting arrested. And then he eventually dies of an overdose. I will say I was after the way in which she was not saying that she seemed mean, but she did kind of seem uncaring. 
but when talking about finding Rob and breaking down, that's why I was like, okay, there, there was something more there. Like she was, there was a, a very strong emotional connection there um, that made her very, very sad. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Lisa, that's as far as I got that, okay, this is when Rob's getting arrested, doing drugs. Mm -hmm. I know he eventually dies. And I just felt like the last 15 minutes were um, some kind of epilogue. Uh, yeah, essentially. Fab's I mean, still out here family. doing it. He's got a family. Yeah. Uh, I did read that Frank had shown up to the funeral. Um, so and sad. basically like how they, you know, they try to move on from, from all of this. But um, I know it made comparisons that this kind of thing has happened again. Um with for those who are into the dance music, house music, you know, have with CNC Music Factory, this happened with Black Box. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. and the closest thing I guess you'd have today is ghostwriters for rappers. Well, um, I mean, there's still people who granted this isn't as current as that, but like into the two thousands with people saying that, you know, Ashanti is the voice of Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. Um, pointing out certain Britney Spears songs or they're like, those aren't her vocals. Like someone does a demo and they just leave their vocals in. Um, because well, no, that was, yeah, that was the case. in um, I think with what's yeah. Some Britney Spears songs, like the, 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 the demo vocals were left in and then she sang mm -hmm. over that. And then with, yeah. With the Shanti, uh, it was her demo, and then they just put J Lo's vocals on top of that. Mm -hmm. Um, barely yeah. there, but yeah, I mean, it's like it's, yeah. So, I, and I think it's just because people understand that image is important. Is image is more important than the music? I don't think people. I think today people think that they're smarter music fans and they can see past that. Um, but no image is absolutely more important than the music. Um, and that's, that's just how it is, unfortunately. Well, in, in pop music, at least in all forms of music somewhat, but especially in pop music, your image is so, 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 so important. And like you said, that's why people have these armies of people behind them, just trying to make sure that they sound their best, look their best, all these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. The image is, is more important than, than ever right now. Um, and I think people just have more access to it. Um, yeah. and now oh, this, yeah, this gets sussed out very quick. If this happened today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there, there would be people, there would be like linguistic experts. Oh They're yeah. Like, okay, this guy has a German accent. <laughs> And they were like, we have this German R&B singer. We're going to have him sing these same oh, God, notes. Yeah, that would, that would be the video. Yeah, and we're going to see how he, how he sounds. And he sounds like he's got a little bit of a German accent. It may sound good, but mm -hmm. we hear the accent. Like, okay, we don't think it's. And then, you know, somebody, somebody's going to CSI it up. And <laughs> do an I can even hear the TikTok theme they'd use. Like that. Do, do, do. Like the creepy music. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like, are Rob and Fab of Milli Vanilli fame singing their songs? If you look and like, this is the whole investigation. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd have people say like, no, they're singing. I was in the studio when they were doing it. <laughs> like, if you're Frank Fair and you got, you got to pay somebody to make a video like defending them, like from a burner account, talking about why they are singing. Yeah, it'd be a whole thing. It'd be a whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just, it just wouldn't fly today. Um, so yeah, I have nothing else to add about this documentary. I think everyone I should it watch excellent. it if you don't know the story. Um, yeah. yeah, if you don't know the story, you should check it out. Uh, even if you do, you may learn a couple of new things. Yeah. And I, I and just as a final thought too, I know every documentary is going to have its slant, but I really do love that they did not let Frank off the hook. Oh no! They I, did you, not. You, you can't. I don't. Yeah. I don't think there's a way that you you. Uh, there is no way that you let him off the hook. Yeah. Now, not in 2023. Back then, yeah. I think it just it just kind of happened that way because it wasn't like he was giving a bunch of interviews about it. Yeah, he was in control of that narrative, and he just yeah. kind of went back to what he was already doing. Mm -hmm. He just kind of went back to work while they're the ones getting the attention. And like you said, people don't understand how the music industry works, where Robin Fab are getting sued for what happened, where they clearly had no control over anything that was going on. Yeah. yeah. It was. Yeah. But I'm glad they did not let, let him off the hook and rightly called him out for his Essentially, what is his exploitation of black artists? Basically, uses them up, spits them out when he's done with them. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll like basically crap on them when he's done with them. So, I like that. All right. Uh, well, that'll do it for our discussion on the Millie Vanilli documentary, simply called Millie Vanilli. Said so you could find it on Paramount Plus. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime with the Paramount Plus add-on, it's on there. And uh, yeah, I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it. So we'll get to my earworm of the week. Um, I found this playlist on Spotify called Yacht Rock Revival. Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, it's songs that have that kind of remind you of that era, but they're from this century. <laughs> okay. And um, there's this song that I liked by a, a duo, I think, called Young Gun, Young Gun Silver Fox. <laughs> um, it looked like a guy in his 20s or 30s, and the other guy is uh, has long gray hair. <laughs> Looks to be an older gentleman. Um, mm. And they have a song called Tip of the Flame that I really like. Um and we're going to play it right now. This is Tip of the Flame by Young Gun Silver Fox. And we'll be right back. Touch you, send my body into 
Tip of the Flame by Young Gun Silver Fox. And it's from their album Ticket to Shangri-La. That's really good. So yeah, you can find that on our BTTYHT Earworms of the Week playlist on Spotify. Um, and if you want to check out the Yacht Rock Revival playlist, um, my next couple of earworms may come from that playlist. So <laughs> a lot of good songs on there. Um, so that will do it for this episode. Um, what should we end the show with there? They got, uh, they, there are some other Millie Vanilli songs that have the, that were given the sped up treatment. <laughs> I'm guessing, girl, you know it's true. It has a sped up version. Yes, yes, it does. Let's go with it. Let's <laughs> okay. go with it. <laughs> All right. So that'll do it for this episode. We're going to give you, girl, you know it's true, the sped up version. There we go. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace. Yeah.